Well, good morning, Springbrook. Welcome to the house of the Lord for worship. We are so delighted to be with you. Truly, truly delighted to be able to spend this time coming before our Lord together in worship this morning. So thank you for taking time out to be here with us today. If you're joining us online from wherever the Lord has you today, a special welcome to you. We want you to feel connected no matter where you are. So I encourage you, take part in the chat option that we have available for you. We also have online hosts who are standing by all throughout the service. They would love to answer questions you have and specifically are ready to pray with and for you. So whatever your prayer requests are, your praises, they would be delighted to spend time in prayer with you. So use that request prayer button. It'll take you into one-on-one private prayer chat with one of our hosts. We want you to feel connected to what God is doing in this community, no matter where you are or what you are going through today. So please engage with us in that way. Well, I would love to invite you now to stand in body or in spirit for our call to worship today, which comes from Psalm 147. It says, Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. So sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Let's lift our voices together this morning.
Our scripture reading this morning comes from Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. It says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born of the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So let's join in with that. Let's confess that Jesus Christ is Lord this morning. Yeah. 
together before the Lord in prayer. Father, we believe. Will you help our unbelief? Father, we believe. And yet there are times when our faith is incredibly weak, when our human frailty seems to crowd out your voice your spirit's voice in our life our circumstances can be overwhelming our physical pain our relational difficulties just the input from the world around us can be so overwhelming that it can be hard for us to believe it can be hard to believe that you are every bit as good as you say you are that you are Father, Son, and Spirit, that you are making all things new, that when Jesus said to tell us die, it is finished, that was the final word, that his body broken and his blood poured out was enough. Father, we believe. Will you help our unbelief? I thank you for each heart in this room, I thank you for each story represented here today. You know them intimately well. You know where we are fighting to hold on to hope. You know we, where we are fighting desperately to move toward the light, to hold on to truth. Father, will you give us strength? Will you give us courage? Will you give us hope? Where we are wrestling against our own sin, against our own flesh, against the darkness of this world. Will you give us hope? Will you give us strength? Will you remind each one that they are not alone? Remind us that we're not defined by our latest mistake. We are defined by your love for us, and you are calling us into something greater and better and more beautiful than we could possibly wrap our minds around. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, Lord, we pray, as it is in heaven. May we be a part of your kingdom come. May we surrender ourselves to you. May we find absolute peace in surrendering ourselves to you this morning. Father, if there are people in this room who need to let go of something this morning, will you give us the faith and the strength to surrender to you today? 
Holy Spirit, we depend on you for our everything, for our every need, for our next breath. And so we depend on you today to open our eyes so that we can see ourselves and see you and see your word with clarity so that we can hear you. Will you open our hearts so that we can receive you and receive what you have for us? You have something good for us today. Will you prepare us to receive it? Prepare us to be formed more into the likeness of Jesus that we might go out today ready to bring your kingdom come in this place. Father, we love you. All of this, every moment of this is for you and for your glory. We pray all of these things by the power of your spirit in us and in the matchless name of our risen King Jesus. Amen and amen. And you may be seated. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to Springbrook. We are so glad that you are with us this morning. Uh, if this is your first or second time uh, with us in Springbrook, we want to extend a special welcome to you. Uh, hopefully everybody had a great Easter. It's good to see so many of you back. And if you're watching with us online, we want to extend a special welcome to you. In fact, just before I came out here, I was having fun online. I, I set up a breakfast appointment with Jeff. I had a chance to talk with Logan. And I got to say hi to, I don't know, the 20-something people that were watching online. So if you're watching online with us this morning, be sure to log in, uh, say hello, let us know that you're with us. Uh, if you uh, are in person with us this morning, you've got that connection card that's on your chair, and I just want to encourage you to uh, take that out for a moment. Uh, you can fill that out, share with us as much information as you feel comfortable sharing, and there's a place for you to drop that in the, in the back on your way out. Uh, this morning. Also wanted to let you know just really quick that our women's ministry is hosting their Blooming Together event. I heard there are 65 ladies already signed up for that, so it is almost full. So uh, if you have not yet registered for that, you want to be sure to do that. Uh, you can visit our website or app, and so registration is going to be closing Wednesday. So if you have any, uh, if you want to jump in, now's the time to do it. And then uh, last night, I understand we had over almost 30 people at our board game night. So that was really exciting to see how many people came out and played uh, board games. I've had a couple of guys ask me when we're going to do something for the guys. It's coming. So we'll do something mainly. Maybe we'll make a bonfire or something. So, uh, but we just want to thank you for being with us. So we hope that uh, we can help you um, get better connected at Springbrook. In fact, we have a starting point workshop coming up. It's going to be on uh, May 25th. Uh, we do those online now, so we've had some success with online starting point. So that's a great opportunity for you to get to know a little bit about our ministry. Uh, it's a great opportunity to hear a little bit about our vision, mission, and values. And so if you've got uh, questions about that, or if you're looking for how to get better connected at Springbrook, we want to encourage you uh, to jump in and sign up for starting point. Springbrook.org slash connect, or you can also do that uh, from your app as well. We'll have a great time. It's a two-week workshop. I think you'll uh, enjoy it. Uh, we have several people that have asked about uh, baptism. Several people have made faith commitments. We have a baptism service that we're going to be scheduling uh, coming up in May. And so if, you have, if you're interested in baptism or if you have questions or maybe that's your next step, uh, we want to encourage you to take that with us here at Springbrook. And so for more information about that, again, you can go to our website or download our app. Uh, if you haven't done that yet, you want to make sure you get our app Everything that you need to stay connected to Springbrook, uh, you can find on that app. Uh, but if you want to know more information about baptism, just go to uh, the website or our app. And then uh, starting point is not just about um, membership. It's about helping people to understand um, a little bit about who we are. But for some people, uh, they do actually take that step of membership. In fact, just in the last several uh, weeks, months, we've had uh, uh, seven people that have come into membership. And so we want to celebrate them this morning. So give them a, a round of applause. <laughs> 
Thank you for your commitment to Springbrook and for helping us to be effective at the mission that God has called us to for reaching our community for Christ and making disciples. And so if you are interested in membership or you just have questions about Springbrook, please uh, sign up uh, for Starting Point. And also we have our uh, Vacation Bible School is going to be kicking off soon. If you are new to Springbrook, you got a personal invitation to sign your kids up for VBS. Uh, the spots are limited this year based on the number of leaders that we have, and so we want to give all of our first-time guests an opportunity uh, to bring their kids to VBS. Uh, if you're a regular attender at Springbrook, we want to give you an opportunity to invite your friends and family uh, to, um, that you think might be interested to bring their kids to VBS. And so registration for that is open right now. Next week, we're going to take that uh, through social media, and it's gonna, it'll fill up quick. And so if you're new to Springbrook, if you've got somebody you want to invite, please be sure um, to invite them to register for VBS soon. It's going to be kicking off June uh, 6th. I know uh, Michelle and her team have been working diligently um, to get prepared for that. So this is our opportunity uh, to reach the next generation for Christ. And so we want to help you reach them. And so this is a good opportunity for us to be able to connect with many new families in our community at the same time, uh, teach kids in an age-appropriate way uh, what it means to have a relationship with Christ and and how much God loves them. So if you want more information about VBS, uh, please visit our website. Uh, We take seriously uh, reaching that next generation for Christ. I know our children's ministry works diligently to invest in the kids. VBS, uh, we have an Awana uh, ministry that meets here on Wednesdays uh, that's teaching kids uh, how to memorize scripture and how to study the Bible. And so uh, we take seriously um, reaching that next generation for Christ. And so if you have any questions, uh, please be sure and let us know. In fact, let's watch this video. Lane Zahara is our Awana leader, and uh, she's got a story she'd like to share with you this morning. Hi, Springbrook. My name is Elaine, and I am the Awana Children's Ministry Director. When I was a kid, I was um, attended Awana with my best friend. Her mom was the Awana leader, and we went every Wednesday. Fast forward um, to my young adulthood. Um, I, I married my high school sweetheart. We met at youth group. We kind of had attendance of church that was a little bit sporadic. And um, when I had young children, I really knew that I needed to get back into church and bring them with. And um, it was interesting. Um, one of the things that I did, I, I looked and I found Awana, found that Springbrook had Awana. We were meeting at Jacobs at the time. And um, one of the things that I did, you know, I, I was looking for a sign and I, I opened my Bible and, and my Bible cracked because it hadn't been opened in a bit. And um, I cracked it open to Jeremiah and in it, um, jumping right out at me was a verse um, that was talking about how to stand, you stand at the crossroads and you look and you look to the old path and you follow it. And to me that spoke and said, hey, you know, what you used to do with Awana, being in youth group and everything like that, that's the old path you need to get back into it. And so it really spoke to me. And that's, um, you know, kind of how I, I came back. And 17 years ago, I walked into Jacobs, became an Awana leader, and never stopped. And here I am today. It's really hard to say why um, I get so excited about Awana. Um, the children, obviously, are the main thing. It's, it's amazing to be able to Um, serve the Lord by pouring into children every Wednesday. My fondest memories 
as a child growing up in Iwana were the friends that I made, the, the people that I interacted with, um, and, and most of all, you know, the verses that I memorized. Um, they've never left me, and that's one of the foundations of Iwana is to memorize God's Word. We're equipping um, our children and it, it means so much to me because it's what I did as a, as a kid. And, um, you know, it was the rock upon which my, um, my whole Christian walk was um, centered upon. It gave me the foundation that I needed. Well, good morning. You know, Nick Walinda stands in the line, actually a very long line, of people whose career choices I just don't understand. Some of you may recognize that name, or at least you may remember just a couple of years ago, because Nick Walinda was the guy who, um, without any safety harness, walked the high wire across Niagara Falls. I don't get it. I mean, who grows up thinking to themselves, I know what I want to do. There have been a lot of people who do those kinds of crazy, death-defying things. And uh, Nick, like uh, others who have gone before him, uh, uh, made a kind of quip as he was being interviewed. And somebody was asking, how, how do you do that? How do you make it across? And he said, just don't look down. But actually, he went on then to say something more. He said, you've got to keep your eyes fixed on the destination. And you know what? I never, ever intend on walking the high wire anywhere. But that's good advice. Actually, that's biblical advice. Because you see, as we take this journey of faith, we must keep our eyes fixed on the destination. In fact, in the gospel accounts, we find an account of, uh, of the apostle Peter. And, and Jesus has been walking on the water, and Peter says to, to, to Jesus, uh, Lord, tell me to come out so that I too will walk with you on the water. And Peter, uh, and, and Jesus calls him out, so he gets out of the boat. And believe it or not, this guy Peter is walking toward Jesus on the water. And everything is going fine right up until that moment when he becomes distracted by the storm that is raging around him. And in that moment, he begins to sink and cries out, Lord, save me. As we walk the journey of faith, we must keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And there are times where it seems like on this journey of faith that we are, in a sense, walking on that, on that tightrope, on that high wire. There are times that it feels like we are, are traveling through the midst of a raging storm. There are times where it feels like we are about to fall or that we're in danger of sinking. And we might well ask the question, how do we hold fast to Jesus Christ in the midst of it. 
we're going to spend some time this morning considering the fact that the journey of faith, that the, the Christian life is not simply about a momentary confession. It is about a continuing confidence in our faithful Savior. It's not just about a momentary confession, but a continuing confidence. So we might ask, how do we hold fast to this confidence? And that was precisely the concern that the biblical author who wrote the book of Hebrews under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit was addressing many years ago in the passage that we're going to look at. You see, there were many people at this time in the early church, and uh, this letter, this sermon really, is specifically addressed to some who were likely originally of a Jewish heritage, who had come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but because of the increasing persecution, because of the increasing opposition that they were facing, some of them were considering going back. Some of them were considering uh, stepping away at least until the heat was turned down. And as he writes to them, he reminds them the importance of holding fast. As we heard from Pastor Rich last week as he kicked off this series in our Easter celebration, that in this letter of Hebrews, the biblical author reminds us as his readers, as he did those 2,000 years ago, of the greatness of Jesus. And he tells them to keep looking to him. And so if you have a copy of the scriptures, I invite you to join me this morning in Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3 as we consider how do we hold fast our confidence in Christ. There we find these words beginning in verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses was also faithful in all of God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Now, as he starts this portion in the book of Hebrews, what the biblical author is wanting for us to understand is that we are to consider Jesus, our faithful apostle and high priest. And he starts off by, by talking about the fact that Jesus is greater than Moses. 
Actually, if we were to take the time, as Pastor Rich started us last week, but if we were to look into chapter 1 and chapter 2 of this book of Hebrews, we would see that, first of all, that Jesus is greater than the angels. And the implication that we have laid out for us in those chapters is the fact that since Jesus is greater than the angels, since, as we heard last week, He is the one who upholds the whole universe by the word of His power, why would we ever look to angels for help when we have Jesus? And, and now in chapter 3, he does the similar thing as he points to Moses. Because again, the, the original audience, many of them uh, from a Jewish background originally, were considering going back to that. And he's saying, why would you go back to that when Jesus is greater than Moses? Now, Moses is still held in honor here in this passage, but he is held in honor as a faithful servant. In other words, Moses did in service to God exactly what God called him to do. He was faithful to his calling. And Jesus, likewise, is faithful to his calling, but his calling is greater and, and so there's a comparison between Moses being like the servant in a house, whereas Christ being like the son and heir over the house. And so through the whole book of Hebrews, we have this idea that Jesus is greater. And you'll notice in verse 1, as I read just a moment ago, that it refers to the readers here, it refers to those to whom this is addressed as being holy brothers who share in a heavenly calling. And, and the point is that even though he is concerned to, to warn against this idea of turning back, the biblical author here is confident that those to whom he is writing will indeed hold fast, that they are holy brothers because of the death of Christ on the cross in which their sins are paid for. And they are those who share in, that is, they are participators with Christ in the heavenly calling because of the resurrection of Jesus. For those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we are holy brothers and sisters, and we are sharers, participants in a heavenly calling. Not because of anything that we have done, but because of who Christ is and what he has done. And in fact, that's what he goes on to remind us of because he then goes on to say, and he gives this in terms of an instruction, a command. He says, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. Uh, the, the, this idea of him being an apostle, that Jesus is an apostle, speaks of the fact that he was sent from the Father. The word apostle simply means sent one. That Jesus was sent from the Father for our benefit. The fact that he is the high priest speaks of the fact that he is the right representative for us before the Father. And, and so it speaks of these two offices of Christ in a sense. But the instruction, the command, as he's talking about this holding fast, is consider Jesus. And, and really this word consider is not just, well, 
think about, maybe, possibly. No, it is a look closely and deliberately and intently and keep on looking at Jesus. This chapter actually begins with the word therefore, and so it's pointing us to an idea that has been introduced in the previous verses at the end of chapter 2. For example, it says, therefore, he, being Jesus, was made to be like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation, that is to pay for, to satisfy the debt for the sins of the people. For he himself has suffered when tempted. Therefore, he is able to help those who are being tempted. There's a lot in there, more than we have time to go into. And a lot of these things are themes that are going to be unpacked as we travel through the book of Hebrews in the coming weeks. But the instruction here, right at the get-go of chapter 3, is is that if we are to hold fast, we must consider, we must look intently at, we must keep on looking at Jesus. Keep remembering who he is. Keep remembering the fact that when we talk about Jesus, we are talking about God himself, who, as we heard read just a little bit earlier, did not seek uh, equality, did not seek to hold on to and to grasp for himself the glory that was rightfully his, but he made himself as nothing, taking the form of a servant, being made in human likeness. He became as we are, 100% fully man, while not ceasing to be for even a moment, 100% fully God, in order to purchase us for himself. And so when we become discouraged, when we feel like we have no value, when people tell us that we have no worth, keep looking to Jesus, who loved you so much that he left the splendor and the glory and the majesty of heaven to come on a rescue mission for you and for me. Keep looking to Jesus. When you feel overwhelmed, when you feel like, like temptation and suffering and difficulty and frustration and uncertainty is just overwhelming, you feel like you're on that, that high wire and, and, and you feel like you're about to topple, keep looking to Jesus who suffered and was tempted in every way as we are and is able to help those who are tempted. We have somewhere to look. Keep looking to Jesus. So the the initial instruction here, how do we hold fast to our faith? Keep looking to Him. Keep looking. Keep looking. But how do we consider Jesus? How do we look to Him? You know, in this passage, as we let it unfold here in the next few minutes, we're going to see some pretty challenging, some pretty uncomfortable stuff. I was talking to somebody just before I came out here a moment ago, and they said, oh, we really appreciate it when you bring meat and potatoes. And and, and that's great. I love to do that. But here's the thing. My jaw has been aching this week because I've been chewing on this passage so much. Because there's some stuff in here that we wrestle with. And so... As he starts here, he wants to get us rightly rooted and established in the right place. Reminding us, keep on looking to Jesus. That's where your confidence is. That's where your certainty is. That's where your steadfastness is. Because as he gets into some challenging stuff, we have to be rooted. Because he goes on to say that Christ Jesus, who is faithful over all of God's house as a son and as a master, has a household. 
and that those who are his by faith are part of that household. That's what he's talking about when he gets to verse 6. And he says, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. You see, what we find all through the pages of Scripture is something that, quite frankly, we don't talk and think about enough in the church today. This is what I've already introduced in saying that, that the journey of faith is not about a momentary confession, but it is about a continuing confidence that the evidence of the genuineness that someone is in Christ is that they will continue in Christ. And as we're going to see, if there is no continuation in Christ, then that means that they were never in Christ. I told you it's sobering. And so we need to keep looking to Jesus. First of all, those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we need to keep looking to him because there we find our assurance, our steadfastness, our hope, our certainty because we were reminded again and again and again, even when it feels like our feet are about to slip, that it is not because of our effort. It is not because of our works. It's because of him. It's because of him that we are saved. But we also, some of us need to keep looking to Jesus because, because it may be that you're here today, and maybe last week was the first week you were here for Easter. Maybe today even is the first week that you're here. You're checking out this whole Jesus thing, and we are so thankful that you're here or that you're watching online. But you need to understand that Jesus is not just one among many things. He is the only thing. He is the only way. There is no other who has made provision for your guilt and mine, for your sin and mine before a holy God. There's nobody else who's laid down their life for us in the way that Jesus has. You can look to the angels, but you know, there's no hope there. You can look to Moses, but there's no hope or help there. You can look to Buddha, but there's no hope or help there. Jesus is greater And it is only through Christ, through receiving his invitation to salvation, that anyone can stand in the presence of a holy God. And the author of Hebrews here wants us to not only keep looking to Jesus, but he wants us to do more than that. While we must keep looking to him, the sober warning is given that reveals to us what the genuine inclusion in Christ looks like. He goes on and he instructs us that we are to take care against a hard and unbelieving heart. Look with me at verse 7. Here it's interesting. He, he, he says in verse 7, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, and then he goes into a quotation that comes from Psalm 95, verses 7 through 11. This is very interesting. Because the biblical author here is saying, hey, that Psalm, Psalm 95, this one that I'm quoting from and pointing back to, 
Yeah, there was a human author that God used to pen the words, but actually it's the Holy Spirit that's speaking. You know, every time we open the scriptures, what we see is the voice of God. It is the Holy Spirit of God that is communicating. And he says here, as he quotes, he says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and you saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and I said, they, are, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Pastor Matt's going to talk a lot more about what this rest is next week. And then he goes on, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we share in Christ if indeed we hold our, our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not those who left Egypt, led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Okay, there's a lot in there. What is he saying? He starts off with this quotation, as I mentioned, from Psalm 95, 7 through 11. But even there in that psalm, it is pointing back to something earlier in the Old Testament. After coming out of slavery, out of captivity, after being rescued by God from Egypt, the Israelites were brought through the Red Sea. They're out now traveling in the wilderness toward the promised land. And after seeing the, the plagues that were hurled upon Egypt, after seeing the Red Sea parted, Pharaoh and his soldiers uh, uh, drowned in the sea after seeing the mighty power of God. What did the Israelites do in Exodus 17? They complain. Oh, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? We're thirsty. Give us something to drink. And they grumble and they complain. And what the author here is telling us is that their attitude was one of trying to put God to the test, and it was a demonstration of unbelief because they were ignorant of God's word to them and they had rejected the demonstration of his power through his mighty acts that were laid out right in front of them. He also has in mind here Numbers chapter 14, another sad account in the history of the people of Israel, as they're out there in the wilderness, Moses sends some spies up into the land of Canaan, the land that is promised on oath that God would give it to them, the land flowing with milk and honey, the land that he was leading them to. Two of the spies, Caleb and Joshua, come back and they say, this place is amazing. Everything that God has promised is right there, and our God is big enough that we can take the land. But ten others started to spread a message amongst the community of Israel saying, oh, they're scary. They're too big and they're too powerful. We are like grasshoppers in their sight. We have to go back. Let's pick a new leader who will take us back to Egypt. 
And so God swears on oath before them, none of you 20 years or older, except for Caleb and Joshua, will see the land that I have promised because of your unbelief. So the author of Hebrews here uses this picture to make this announcement today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. In fact, the instruction that he gives here is found in verse 12. In my translation here in the ESV, it says, take care, brothers. But literally the word is beware or watch out. The warning is take care, watch out that you don't have an evil, unbelieving heart. Because you see, while the warning here is to beware of this evil, unbelieving heart, the issue at hand is that we might be those who hear God's voice and do nothing with it. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. That we see his power and we, uh, and we turn from it. Now again, the author, the biblical author of Hebrews here is confident that his readers, that those that he is addressing are indeed in Christ. And this is not how they will respond. And so he actually uses, in a sense, the negative in order to affirm the positive. And the point that he's making is, if you are in Christ, if you're a part of his household because of what he has done, then that is evidenced by the fact that when you hear his voice, you obey. Then that's evidenced by the fact that that, that when he speaks, that when he acts, you respond. That's what the heart of faith does. And we see this idea all throughout Scripture. In John 10, 27, Jesus talks about the fact that his sheep hear his voice. They listen to him. In Luke 6, 49, we have a a similar thing. It talks about the fact that, that, that those who are of him Listen to his voice. In James, this is the passage that talks about, do not be a, a, a hearer of the word only, but a doer also. In, in Colossians 1, 3 through 6, we have this wonderful introduction to this letter. We're going to be studying it together this fall. And the point that Paul is making is he's rejoicing over the faith of the Colossian believers. As he says, here's the great thing about the gospel. Wherever the gospel goes and is rightly received, it bears fruit. There is a transformative response to the gospel. Because those who are in Christ, when they hear his voice, they respond. And so the warning that he gives here is be careful, watch out that you are not those who respond in unbelief. And by your unbelief, by your disdain for God's word, by your disinterest in his word, by your disobedience of living, demonstrate yourself to have no part in Christ. Take care, lest there be an evil, unbelieving heart. And we know that this issue at hand is this of of unbelief and, and, and that he's speaking in this way because as he goes down to verse 16, for example... He says, 
for who were those who heard and yet rebelled? In other words, they, they, they listened to, they were there in the congregation of Israel. They heard the word, but they did their own thing. He says, was it not those who left Egypt led by Moses? And, and, and they were with him being led in the wilderness for 40 years. They saw his provision. They saw his protection. They saw his power. And what did they do? They sinned. And then in verse 18, it was these who were disobedient. In verse 19, therefore they did not enter the rest because of unbelief. And so we have these two pictures here related to this continuing steadfastness, this holding fast. What is the response of those who keep on considering Jesus, who keep on looking to Him? What is the response of those who are part of the household and, and, and their, their faith is sure and certain and confident? They keep on looking to Jesus. And in increasing measure, because none of us do it perfectly, in the power of the Holy Spirit, by the grace that He gives with such utter patience toward us, we hold fast, growing in Him, but here's the wonderful thing about the Christian life. We'll talk more about this in just a moment. As we keep looking to Jesus, as we take care and guard our heart, that yes, it is about holding on to this confidence, but we hold on to Christ, those of us who are followers of Christ, kind of like a small child holding on to the hand of their father. I've got four kids and starting to grow up now, so I don't get to do this quite as often. But especially as they were younger, we would be going up and down steps or we'd be going along somewhere. And maybe they'd be skipping or we'd be holding hands. And they would think they have a hold on me as their dad. And they would think, oh, I'm secure because I've got a, I've got a hold on him. But here's the thing, when it comes to the steps, the thing that keeps them from slipping and tripping and stumbling down the step is not that they have a hold on me. It's that I have a hold on them. And here's the wonderful, glorious news of the Christian life. Yes! We must soberly evaluate and take care of our hearts. And we must keep on looking to Jesus. But friends, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are a holy brother or sister, a partaker with Him of, of the heavenly calling, He holds on to us. And what Christ holds in His hand, He never lets go of. He has given us not only this remembrance that we are to consider Jesus and keep looking to Him. He gives us not only this instruction to take care, to beware, to evaluate the state of your heart. And that's important, by the way. And I want to encourage you wherever you are today, to take time to do that, to evaluate the state of your heart. When it comes to the things of the Lord, do you have a heart of obedience? Do you have a heart of humility? Do you have a heart of, Lord, you are Lord. I, 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 I want to come under you. Or if you're honest, 
does your heart say, no, you know what? I'm going to take and leave what I want from this. Or, or yeah, I, I'm, I'm not really interested in this. I'm content where I am, and I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm doing, and no more. We need to evaluate our heart. We need to look to Jesus. We need to take care against a hardened, unbelieving heart. And then there's one more command in this passage, which is so practical and so beautiful. It's found in verse 13 that I read a few moments ago. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, for we share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Exhort one another so that together we may persevere. That's the instruction. That is that we are to encourage and lovingly warn one another. That's part of the Christian life. First of all, to encourage, to, to keep on reminding one another, look to Jesus. Keep looking to Him. You're feeling tired and weary. Look to Jesus. Hey, hey I, I was reading this in the Word this morning. You know what it says? Look to Him. We encourage one another. We share with one another to strengthen one another. But there's also in this exhortation a, a warning aspect as well. If you were here a few weeks ago when we were going through the Sermon on the Mount, and I was teaching in Matthew 7, uh, we saw there that we have to be careful to make sure we take the plank, the log, out of our own eye. But there is a responsibility in doing that that we are then still to come alongside our brother, to come alongside our sister, and to help them with the speck in their eye. And a part of this exhortation is not only encouraging one another to keep on looking to Jesus, it's also, it's also to sound the alarm bell. It's also to say, hey, there are rocks over there and you are getting dangerously close to getting smashed up against them. It's so coming alongside and saying, hey, I don't know what's going on in your life right now, but I'm seeing something. And I want to let you know that I'm praying for you. But I also want to let you know that if what I'm seeing is accurate, you're in a dangerous place. And I plead with you to turn from that and look again. To Jesus. We are to exhort one another. Notice we are to exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. How do we keep on holding fast? How do we keep on looking to Jesus? Exhort one another every day as long as it's called today. So it, so it is a constant and a continuous act that we're supposed to be engaged in. This is one of the great struggles that we have in the midst of a busy and distracted and chaotic schedule of our lives, oftentimes. Are there people in your life, are there other believers who have access to you every day? Do we allow ourselves to be accessible? Who do you call at Monday lunchtime? Who do you reach out to on Thursday morning? It is good to gather together Sunday by Sunday. But some of us make it our mission to come in on a Sunday morning and leave as quickly as possible without having any meaningful or deep conversation with one another. 
How can we exhort one another? How can we, how can we encourage one another? How can we challenge? How can we engage in one another's lives? I know it's not always easy to connect with people, especially if you don't really know them. But here's the thing, after, after this service, can I challenge you, stick around just for a few minutes. If you're not sure who to talk to, maybe you're new, or, or, or maybe you've been here for a while, but you're not really that comfortable with going up to people, I want to give you permission to do something, okay? I want to give you permission to go up to someone, and you wonder, how do I start that conversation? Here's how you start that conversation. The pastor told me I had to come and speak to you. But you know what? I'm doing it not just because he told me. I'm doing it because I need it. And you need it. And so can we talk for just a couple of minutes? And we'll both be uncomfortable. And that's okay. Because that's how things start, right? Exhort one another. But Sunday morning is not just the only time Small groups are great, and I want to encourage you, get engaged in a small group if you're not already in one, but even small groups are the launching pad to a relationship that impacts the rest of our week. Ministry teams, serving on a ministry team is important, but you don't just serve in order to serve, you serve also in order to engage in and exhort one another in the life of faith. And at the danger of upsetting some people and perhaps being censured by the elders... I want to speak for a moment to some of those who are watching online. We are so thankful that you're watching online today. And I know that there are some things in life that make it necessary for us to be in a season where we cannot gather together in place. Maybe you're going through a sickness. Maybe you have something physical that you're dealing with right now. Maybe you are in an unusual season and you simply cannot be here. And we are so thankful that we can minister to one another in this way. But there are some who are watching right now who need to quit making excuses. You need to get off the couch and get out of your PJs. And you need to gather together with God's people. Because how else can we exhort one another? Maybe time for us to take that step for the sake of one another. And for our perseverance in our walk with Christ. So the warning here is given. Exhort one another. As long as it's called today. And we need that because sin is deceitful. We make excuses for all sorts of things. And we need one another to help to point out those excuses that we're making. To keep us walking. To keep us looking to Jesus. The warning is given today, and it's interesting, he repeats this over and over, he even does it into chapter 4. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, because the evidence of the genuineness of your inclusion in Christ, of being amongst those holy brothers and sisters, being partakers of that heavenly calling, is a softness of heart to the things of the Lord. Because you see... As thankful as I am, we heard a great testimony. As thankful as I am for things like the, the, the ministry of Awana and how important that is in the lives of our young people. It is not a prayer prayed in Awana at the age of six that demonstrates the genuineness of somebody's faith. 
It is not a momentary confession, but a continuing confidence, a keeping on looking to Jesus, keeping on looking to Him. And so, I've already said the author of Hebrews expects that his readers, and brothers and sisters, don't get me wrong here, I expect that we are indeed, if you have trusted Jesus Christ, that you are in Him. In fact, later on in the book of Hebrews, we'll get to in a few weeks, after another warning similar to this, the biblical author says, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Because our hope Our confidence, our continued gaze is looking to Jesus. If I had the time, I'd go through a number of these passages that I simply don't have the time for to share. But while the warning is sounded, while the instruction is given, look to Jesus. Take care over your heart and exhort one another over and over again, and we can have a list multiple times as long as this as pass- of passages, we see that it is God who faithfully holds on to His people. In John 10, we are told that, that nobody snatches the people of God from the hand of the Father. In Romans 8, uh, both the, the first and the second passage there, it talks about the fact that we have this unfailing confidence that nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. In fact, we are in Him and that God's purposes always prevail. Ephesians tells us that if you're in Jesus Christ, you have been sealed as a guarantee. And what God guarantees, He always fulfills. Philippians, I am convinced of this, that He who began a good work in you will be faithful to bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus and 1 Peter 3, 1 through 5 talks about the fact that we are kept, that we are guarded, that we are saved for a certain inheritance that cannot be spoiled, defiled, or faded. Our God is infinitely faithful. And we persevere in our confident faith, as we keep looking to Jesus, the faithful one who holds us fast. So look to Jesus. Examine your heart. Recognize that we're called to exhort one another for the well-being of one another. And as this wonderful hymn declares, we do it with a confidence Because when I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, He will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path. For my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so. He will hold me fast. Our our Lord and God, we look to you. 
for where else can we look? We thank you that Christ Jesus is our faithful Savior, Apostle, and High Priest. And because of what He has done, we have salvation and assurance in this journey of faith. But Lord, we have been challenged and reminded this morning that this journey of faith is a continuing confidence. I would pray for any who are here this morning first, who perhaps have never come to know the forgiveness of sins and the new life that is available in Jesus Christ, that today would be the day of salvation, that they would hear your voice and the beckoning of your Holy Spirit and say, God, I need you. Never realized that I needed you. I never knew that I needed a Savior. But I confess that I have been like those people of Israel. I have been rebellious. I have gone my own way. Forgive me for my sins. Here I am. I want to follow you. I want to keep looking to you. I want to walk in your ways. But Lord, I also pray, should there be any here this morning who perhaps has had a false confidence who's been going through the motions and yet having made a momentary confession, their life bears no fruit. God, I pray that you would minister to them, that you would convict them by your spirit and that you would lead them into the steadfast hope that is found in Christ Jesus. Lord, that we together would be a people who hear your voice who delights to hear it and that the overflow of our heart is to respond with joyful obedience. Not because that obedience saves us, but rather because Christ has saved us and now we delight to walk in his ways. And finally, Lord, for any who are here who maybe struggle, they're keenly aware the challenges and struggles that they face, the trials, the temptations that sometimes they seem to stumble under, I pray that you would encourage their hearts in the knowledge that you are the God who holds us fast and that they would find hope and joy and great confidence as they persevere in this journey of faith till that day when Christ returns or calls us home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And well, we'd love to invite you to stand one more time and join us as we respond this morning to the word we have received together. sing this out in faith in Christ alone in Christ alone my hope is found he is my light my strength my song this cornerstone this solid ground firm through the fiercest drought and storm what heights of love 
Thank you once again for worshiping with us today. Thank you for spending your time coming before the Lord and giving him the praise and the honor and the glory that he is due. I want to read this blessing over you from the writer of the book of Hebrews. May the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through jesus christ to whom be glory forever and ever amen go in faith to love and serve the lord have a blessed week in him